Hey there, listeners. Just a quick update on this particular podcast. Um, we ran into some issues during recording, and we got this sort of electronic hum going on on one of our tracks. Uh, unfortunately, I believe it was due to like a light fixture that we had in the room. However, our good friend John Simon, who was also on the podcast, um, episode number 11, helped us to remove that hum. He's a, of many things, a pianist and a sound engineer as well, so he was able to help us. So thank you, John, so much for uh, getting rid of that, and I hope you all enjoy this podcast. Our guest on today's episode lives in Napa, California. He's a guitar teacher at Napa School of Music and is the YouTube phenom that created 100 Famous Licks, which has over 9 million views on YouTube. He has a BA in music composition and has very diverse musical interests. He's written and performed in a multitude of genres, from Latin rock to medieval folk music to 12-tone serialism. Our guest also happens to have been our co-host, Daniel Townsend's guitar teacher for many years. We are thrilled to welcome our guest, Brody Cumming. Welcome to Meaningful Musical Conversations, where we have heart-to-heart talks about music and life. I'm Jill Minier. And I'm Daniel Townsend. Thank you, everyone, who's coming in to tune in today. Hope you're all doing very well. Uh, today we have Brody Cumming, who, wow, this is awesome. Haven't seen you in a while, Brody. Thanks for coming out today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so Brody comes all the way out from Napa, so kind of a little bit of a trek today. Also, Grand Fondo's going on, so we got a bunch of bikers out here. It's a pretty exciting day. Yes, it is. It's quite an event. Well, you know, I am so curious um, how the two of you met, how Brody and Mm -hmm. Daniel, how you guys met. So, Brody, would you tell us about that? Yes. So, um, Dan and I have a very long relationship, going back more than a decade. Yes. And, um, in fact... I think I was around Dan's age now when I first met Dan. Oh, wow. And I think Dan was like nine or ten. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Really? Yeah, oh seriously. my goodness. Yeah, very, okay. very young. That's yes. when I first started. And um, I had just started teaching. I was just out of the Sonoma State, um, was studying music. And um, Dan was probably one of my very first students. So I mean, I don't crazy. think I ever wow. mentioned that to him, but I remember oh. when his dad called. Um, I was like, oh, great. I think I got, you know, like one of my first year. I was really new at, um, this was a store called Music X, which was formerly Stars Music in downtown San Rosa. Right. And um, I was just so thrilled to be starting teaching. I had no real experience with, um, you know, teaching anyone, even, you know, kids or anything. I was mm-hmm. kind of brand new, hmm. jumped into it. Um, and... Dan was, you know, just totally regular, normal. There wasn't anything <laughs> particularly about him that signaled to me that he was going to be like this music person and yeah. continue to be passionate about yeah. it for, you know, the rest, you know, the, those, yes. the rest of his life. So that's yeah. what you meant. Yeah. 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 That's funny. I didn't know that. I was like one of the first students. Yes. It certainly didn't seem that way. Yeah. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I consider it now still kind of, like one of those, um, I don't know, weird fate moments where you you have this person that's just sort of like spontaneously comes into your life and you don't really think about anything of it at the time. But then, you know, 
some time later, 10 years later, longer, you, you say, wow, this is a significant meeting. And that, you know, since then, I've had a lot of students, you know, come and go. And I've continued. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I can only probably name, you know, Dan is still, I mean, I don't want to say he's like, one of the best, but I'll say he is like one of the best. Nice. <laughs> you know, Sweet. Yes. Yes. Not, not to put the pressure on him. Yeah, but, no. Um, I have to yeah. be good. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Thank you, pretty Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not... Um, I think that through different meetings, I always kind of didn't mean to put pressure on him, but I was saying, you know, wouldn't it be exciting for you to become famous and then I can live... Sort of vicariously no. through you. Stop. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Well, the, what's funny about that is, and we'll we'll come back to this, but you're sort of in the fame boat as far as you know people knowing about you. I mean, there's this. So you can check this out on YouTube if anyone's listening. Is just type in like a hundred riffs, and Brody's video will be one of the first things you see. You did this probably over uh, long years ago. ago. Yeah. Again, yeah. when I was first starting teaching, and. I mean, by fame, I would think of myself as like YouTube fame and online fame is sort of a not a real fame. It's sort of like a fake fame. <laughs> and also, not only am I fake famous, but I'm a has-been fake famous. <laughs> um, since, yeah, that was, that was 10 years ago. And in online, you know, in internet time, that's probably like 100 years ago. Yeah. So, so let's catch our listeners up, and it's yes, called 100 totally. Famous Guitar Riffs. Right. And here is Brody Cummings playing 100 Famous Guitar Riffs. at this last night my husband and what and I watched it together and we were just like oh my god I was blown away he has n- over nine million yes. views yeah. okay and it's just pretty astonishing I do have to say that I grew up in that era where all those songs were happening so like I knew every single one of those riffs and I went on some journeys <laughs> fast from one to the next to the next I, I'm so blown away and I want to ask you more about that yes. but mm-hmm. um, or maybe we should just Dive right in. I still wanted to ask you more about Dan. Yeah, we get back to that. Um, I, I could talk about Dan for a full hour oh, or more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but actually, let's uh, yeah, let's let's go back to that piece yeah. about Dan because you know when you mentioned that he was maybe your first student. Yeah, I can't absolutely say he was my first, but he was around probably one of my first, and I um, you know. It, it was like he was just very regular, normal. There was mm-hmm. nothing in particular about him that I could say like, "This guy's gonna be." In other words, a great like he didn't musician or anything. learn faster or. I mean, he did pick it up kind of quick, I think, but I I didn't think I had any context at the time to gauge to say like, sure. "This is what 
a normal nine or ten year old right. should, should be at guitar wise. And probably now I have a better appreciation for that. But at sure, the time sure. I um, was kind of like, oh, yeah, we're doing ACDC. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yep. We're going to go on. tunes. Yeah, totally. So what I'm curious about, you know, I, I think that <clears throat> um, sometimes when you're coming out of school, a person's coming out of school and you want to start teaching, um, it can be kind of scary. Like, ooh, well, I was never taught how to teach. Um, so tell us a little bit about what that was like, having your first student and like the mental kind of thing, you know, just. Right. Kind of like yeah. let us into your head there, what you were going to back then. Um, the, the mechanics of teaching or showing someone how to play something wasn't intimidating to me. It was actually the whole just sort of interaction of having, you know, a student and having a business and being sort of um, providing a service. Yeah. yeah. So... That to me was strange. <laughs> I think. Yeah, say more about that. Yes, I think had it been just like you know, hey, this is, this is like your niece or your this is your nephew or somebody, right. and or you know, just show them something on guitar, then it would have been like easier. But the fact that it's like you're getting paid for it, you have you know this time together, you have to you know deliver this service and experience and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean. Initially, it's like kind of a big deal that, mm-hmm. that I wanted to really, you know, um, provide a great. Um, you wanted to do experience. a good job. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. there's that, you know, like, am I doing a good job doing this? Is, you know, right. the fact that you're getting paid, it was like, what are the expectations? Or am I, am I, do I have value what mm-hmm. I'm doing? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, oh, I'm brand new. I don't know what I'm doing here. I, I mm. you know, it was, um, based on no experience. So I I had all this going on. And um, I think the thing was uh, dance parents were just very laid back and low key. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't necessarily like hovering and, you know, saying, how's he doing? Or, you know, it was just kind of, we would, we would hang at first for only a half hour per meeting and play through some ACDC or whatever. And that would be it. And, you know, um, and I'll say more about Dan's life a little bit later, but Dan was quite, kind of a different guy than he is today. Hmm. Yeah. A little bit more, um, I say somber, but but he's just um, less. Um, he like you wouldn't necessarily be a very emotive. You know, sometimes I'm like, is he just tired or something? Mm. Which may be the case. Maybe you're up all night playing video games. I don't know. <laughs> what was your once, experience once like? In a while. No, I know that. Um, so my my experience growing up, especially at that time, is, yeah, I was a very closed off sort of individual. Um, for many years, especially coming out of middle school, a lot of stuff was happening at that time for me that kept me inside of myself a little bit more. And that's something I still deal with quite a bit, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember being in some lessons, too, like just having a hard time kind of like expressing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not surprised at all. hearing yeah. that. And it, it wasn't clear whether he liked or didn't <laughs> like something. Yeah. Right. So and what's funny too, is I have students now that are sort of like me, how I was. It's so crazy how parallel all of this yeah. is. Brody. It's yeah, like yeah. everything you're telling me, it's like, wow. yeah, I'm going through that right now as we speak, yeah. like as a, as a new uh, instructor, sure. you know, I have students that are sort of like, that's hard to tell what, what direction they want to go and if they're even interested right. and, but they're, they're still learning the stuff and yeah. they're here and, you know, we're still having a decent time. Sure. Um, 
But yeah, and then just the, the pressures and expectations as far as teaching. And then you have parents who might want something different than what mm-hmm. the kid wants. I mean, there's right. a lot of things sure. involved, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, as a, as a student, I'm sure I was a little bit uh, hard to read. <laughs> also, yeah, that. which wasn't like yeah. di- didn't bother me at all. It was just I was you know just curious. I'm like, mm-hmm. let's let's see that. Yeah. Um, so cut to like you know a few years later. I mean, he just continued on with me and continued to grow and mm-hmm. continued just to you know um, uh, like advances of musician. Yeah. You know, not only in guitar, but he was doing piano at the same time, and then mm-hmm. he got into drums and like started playing with a band and all this stuff was just continually building. Right. And he was still staying with me, which I was so pleased because at that point it was pretty clear that like he was, you know, kind of going to be a musician. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's when I moved, uh, I, I was at Stan Roy's briefly and then we went, um, I got my own studio downtown that was kind of, um, uh, associated with chops teen club. I was mm-hmm. renting a space from them then. Yeah. And so that's when we started spending a lot of time together. It was basically like span from half hour to an hour to like over an hour. Two hours. And that's sometimes. the thing, Brody, is I'd be paying for hour lessons and he'd go way overboard with me, which I don't I don't know how I could ever repay that sort of thing. You know? Mm-hmm. It's it was incredible what wow. like the, the time and energy that you gave me. I mean, it really developed me in a lot of ways. Um, I, it was no sweat. I mean, I was like spending time with somebody who was just like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, was, um, just thrilled to see him like, you know, grow so rapidly. And I was like, man, this is going to be my, like, like, um, uh, what do you call it? When you were, yeah, my yeah, protege, totally. my guitar protege. And, um, you know, my guitar hero was Joe Satriani and his guitar protege, not really to this to some extent was Steve I, and he had a whole bunch of other, Kirk Hammett, a whole bunch of famous rock guitar players. So I was always envisioning in that same relationship. I was like, this is going to be my Steve I or my Kirk Hammett. He's going to be famous. And, and, and it, yes, by default, I'll have some sort of like uh, Wikipedia footnote or something as a result. If that's what we're you looking for. Me yeah. Up. Oh my God. Yeah. No, but th- those, those lessons were so cool. It's funny that we bring that up, right? Because it wasn't just like, necessarily learning tunes at that point like I remember specific memories of um you would help me record stuff I was writing at the time you would help me with like what I was doing at the time like what I was interested in whatever I was like interested in you helped me expand on and grow and that was huge you know I've I've learned a lot about uh, what it means to be a good instructor oh yeah and I gotta say like I wouldn't I don't think yeah sure I don't have much experience teaching but I do have experience being taught, you know, and sure. I think that has taught me how to become, hopefully, a decent instructor. Now I'm still kind of, you know, tugging away at that. But, um, yeah, I think in some way, like, our instructors, you know, we, we owe them everything, obviously. Yeah, like, I couldn't, so I've had a couple just really solid instructors in my ears. And mm-hmm. as far as guitar, you've been my one mm, sure. guitar instructor, you yeah, know, yeah. and I, I have to give credit you for pretty much everything I've got there and so I'm kind of curious just as a question aside of that is like um instructors you might have had right uh, you yeah, growing yeah. up yep. I could, I'd like to kind of hear about that and what they sure. were like yeah 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 actually I wrote a list down for it to not forget any of them oh, so great. I have this so you know before you launch into that I just want to say you know as sitting here as the observer and watching this interaction between the two of you 
I mean, I'm really moved by just <clears throat> seeing the um, the relationship, the closeness, and uh, it's just really, uh, really special and really touching. So I just wanted to say yeah. that. Sure. Yeah. It's true. In fact, Brody, yeah. I wouldn't have learned these things. I would not be where I am today. I know mm. that. Yeah. Yeah, Dan's too old to be a, my son, but he could definitely <laughs> I could definitely be his like this eccentric uncle or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Something like that. That's I about what it, it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I think a teacher-student relationship, god, it's to me like anybody that and I'm a teacher, I don't know if you know that, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I taught yoga for 25 years yes. and I I still love my students. I don't see them occasionally I see somebody around, but when I think of somebody's name, you know, there's, I, ha I always have the sense of fondness and affection. And I just feel like, well, for me, when anybody teaches me anything, honestly, I feel a tremendous sense of gratitude to yeah. them. I always do. I love teachers. And so anyway, maybe that's especially oh. why it's moving to me to hear, to see this, you know. You're spot on. Um, but... So now your stories that you're going to say about your other... Oh, my teachers? Yeah. So, um, um, well, I, I mean, I idolized uh, my guitar teacher who um, is infamous or famous in <laughs> Santa Rosa, Sonoma County. Everybody's taking lessons with Bill Decker. He's like just mm -hmm. this household name. Mm -hmm. um, and early on, I mean, this was... Uh, way prior this was in the late 90s like I started playing when I was 12 and um, at the time it was like really the end of the grunge rock movement so there were guitar heroes but they weren't they weren't your classic guitar heroes you know they were more kind of like um, guys that you know played guitar as like to accompany the, the you know actually kind of for all the right reasons right totally. to craft great songs yes um, yeah. but at the time, I mean, I was just getting into being an adolescent and the, the virtuoso aspect was so appealing to me and I wanted that. Mm -hmm. And I could not envision myself as being a singer or a frontman at all, but I could envision myself as being like yeah. some hermit virtuoso. For some reason that <laughs> appealed to me so much, yeah. you know? And so, um, it just gelled with my personality type being I was kind of a shy and still am sort of a reserved person, you know, not an extrovert. And um, when I discovered that sort of Zen quality of practice and, um, you know, growing on an instrument, that to me was like, oh, I've, I found this. I found this power now. I mm -hmm. have had this that's so like separate from external life and school, whatever else is going on that's not, you know, um, in my control, mm -hmm. Right. this right. was. Yeah. And I um, just totally embraced that. Um, to, to, to an extent, it was actually like, is how I defined myself for many years, until my mid-20s, in fact. I was still like, I'm this. I'm Brody the guitar player. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my, um, you know, Bill Decker was the first person I could see like in person up close kind of play the way that all my hero guitar heroes were playing. Yeah. And it was just mind blowing. I could not believe it was real. And so, um, <laughs> I love, that. Yes. I love it. Yeah. yeah. He encapsulated everything I, I wanted in guitar. So, um, I stayed with him for a long time. Um, and 
finally through my senior year of high school, I finally was convinced by the when the piano teacher, the piano teacher there, who was also the choral director, and I think her name is Dana Alexander, um, and I think I think she is still at Montgomery High School um, in Santa Rosa, and um, she said we just need more guys in the choir, and I was with much convincing I did join and it was <laughs> very helpful and mm. just starting to vocalize at all which yes. I yeah. did was not comfortable with at all and and funniest thing is I I would always um promote the same thing to Dan even though I was kind of a poor example like I was like a not a good singer and I would, did not practice however I was like hey, if you sing you can you can be like the boss you know, you can you can be the front man. You can steer this boat. Which, Boy, does he sing? Yes. Yeah. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that would. I didn't know that was going to happen. Actually, today I was kind of like, well, so I can I can encourage him, but he just might not might not be into Yay, it. Yay, Brody. So, uh, yeah. Seriously. Um, Super. Nice yeah. job. It's funny now as I sing with Bill's band. Yes, I know. It's very band. ironic. They're, they're it's very also, full circle. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 What is the name of that band? That is set in stone. Okay. It's just like a rock cover band for mm-hmm. the most part, but yeah. Right. It's got yeah. Um, and then, um, so after high school, um, went to the junior college and had Mark Anderman yes. for theory. Mm-hmm. And also had We've all had Mark. Yes. I love Mark. Yes. Thank you, Which Mark. Which was terrific. Thank you. He was um, the exact type of structure that I needed, you know, and at that time I came into music school or, you know, college music courses with no formal background at all. I couldn't yeah. read any staff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, you know, from choral, I kind of knew what it was about. I was like, note goes up, I sing up, note goes down, <laughs> yeah. I sing down, right? But I had no mm-hmm. um, formal training. I was just completely this rock guitar guy. And um, that was the total foundation right there. Right. You know? um, I learned everything, actually. And, it, you know, I took continued music in SSU, but it was actually those first classes, those first theory, that core classes, whatever, mm-hmm. which learned everything. Yeah. Um, and um, after him was uh, Marsha Brichard, who I'm not sure if she's at the JC any longer, but she was also a terrific teacher there. Mm-hmm. And then um, Sonoma State, that, well, actually, there's one teacher at the JC, Will Johnson, mm-hmm. who also taught at Sonoma State. Yep. And he was the reason I continued to Sonoma State, not only because it was just local, and I was like, well, this is an easy transition, but... Um, he was just like very encouraging and mm. just a super nice guy. Mm. And he had this sort of like Southern accent that <laughs> was just so welcoming. And um, he was in, well, I mean, you always got the impression that he was interested in sort of really avant-garde music, you know, mm-hmm. kind of really strange 20th century <laughs> out there stuff. Mm-hmm. However, he, I used to come in for him, come in to see him for, um, composition lessons like weekly and you talk about anything uh, that I was interested in which um, uh, you know was so encouraging to me at the time you know um, and um, yeah so those were my main mentors I, I also had Jeff Langley who was another instructor at Sonoma State yeah. at the time I liked and um, um, now I mean I feel like I still have mentors you know people who've um, you know, at this music school I teach at, um, uh, the guitar player next door, Sean Allen, mm. is like this mentor to me. And um, specifically with things regarding tone and that element. So not even like 
playing the notes and right, that sort of stuff. It's right. more like things that are way more um, hard to define, yeah, like vibe, tone, yes. enthusiasm, <laughs> you know, intention, things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Um, I was going to say, so, I mean, especially with Will Johnson, um, amazing player too, right? But um, that's where it comes from from you because I can see – just the way you encouraged me and what I was interested in sounds like you got a lot of that from him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It just sounds like a reflection in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like I see that in you, the way you taught me, it sounds right. like you got the same sort of treatment. Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, it was, it was, I mean, uh, Will was an, an older guy when I was, so he was like not at all into the guitar playing, you know, for heavy metal virtuoso <laughs> thing. Right. But he would somehow still entertain that and talk to me about, you know, what I could do with mm -hmm. my compositions. Meanwhile, with Dan, it was sort of like, oh, I was right there excited with him about mm -hmm. what we were doing. Which, sure. Same um, stuff. Yes, yes. Sure. I mean, it was like, oh, let's, let's write some cool, like, yeah. I don't know, jam. I mean, there were, I still, I have all those recordings still. No and so, yeah, they That's could cool. resurface. I even yes. have ones that are like four track cassette oh. recordings oh yeah so you might not even that. have a memory of these wow. no i remember the little red um yeah the uh there was yeah that was right? a little cd player so mm -hmm. all this stuff is like old technology it's kind of mm -hmm. sad it's only 10 years and this like old old like doesn't exist but um yeah i have recordings that dan might not even oh my gosh. have any <laughs> recollection of maybe uh -oh. we'll have to put one on yeah big uh -oh <laughs> yeah. On that one. oh yeah yes so what um what was one of your or a couple of your favorite bands that you were listening to and at that time? Mm -hmm. uh, so Maybe they weren't current, yeah. but early on, mm. um, oh that's another person I have to give a shout out. So my best childhood friend, Tyler Green, um, who is still a prolific musician in San Francisco and the band Lumarians, mm. like a noise rock. Mm. I don't know if I'm describing that right. To me, they're kind of like <laughs> experimental Got it. rock. Got it. And um, he was just jazzed about everything prior to me. So if it was like uh, skateboarding or BMX bikes or um, Japanese anime, all these things, he was always on the cusp of and ahead of everyone else. Mm. So as soon as he was like, hey, we should like, you know, I don't know, start like playing drums or guitar. It was like, yeah, let's let's do this, and um, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, we didn't. Um, both of our parents weren't good for drum kits; they would not go for it. Even though that's, we were both dying to be drummers. So mm. instead, I think he got a guitar first, and I was like, oh, this is you know, this is fun. We can both play on the low E string. We're we're awesome, actually. <laughs> we thought within like a week of playing, we both thought we oh we were just like we're gonna be rock stars, and we are awesome, actually. We're really good at our instrument. We can only play on the low E. So um, from that, um, he was into uh, Led Zeppelin. So I basically just followed him, whatever mm -hmm. his interests were. Then I saw um, a video of like, you know, Eddie Van Halen, right? Playing, mm -hmm. playing some bits for Eruption. Right. And again, it was a virtuoso aspect. It also had this kind of classical element to it, which um, to me, just something about that was like, again, the virtuoso who is a little bit mysterious mm -hmm. was like, that's my guy. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I yeah. think I've always liked the anti-hero. Like there's, um, there's a, the ending scene of, oh, I don't know, 
the Mel Gibson Road Warrior movies. Okay. Oh yeah, which I don't know if you guys never saw them. No, they're they're very um gritty and not very pleasant. <laughs> okay. But um, the Road Warrior movie at the end of it, he just um, saves this village. This is post-apocalyptic future. This '80s movie. He saves this village, but because he's sort of like the Road Warrior, he's a lone dude. He just stays in the scene. They just pan out of the scene, and there's just this silhouette. And he just disappears into nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and they're like, no one's ever heard or seen of him again. And mm-hmm. the end. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Sweet. Uh-huh. Yes. Wow. Yes. Cool. So, um, yeah, I think that was that was sort of with with music too. That ambition of um, being um, a character and and being sort of um, myth mythical was mm-hmm. was very like cool to me. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, that just kind of reminds me again of your of your video with the, the hundred riffs and, um, God, I, I mean, that just my jaw was like down to the floor <laughs> as I watched that, and I thought, talk about virtuosic! Hmm. Like, I mean, to me, like to be able to play. Okay, one of the things that stunned me was that you didn't fumble on any of those. It went, I mean, some of them were like five, maybe five seconds or even three seconds. They were very short, yeah, yeah. And so you had to go from one to the next. And number, can you please like tell us, how the the heck did you do that? Yeah. How did you practice for it? I've been curious all these years. My God. Well, I guess I have to have a precursor to it. It's saying, at the time I was like, okay, what am I going to do to advertise that I'm a guitar teacher? And I had no ambition of this being the viral aspect of it didn't even exist at the time it wasn't mm-hmm. on the radar because youtube i mean i was first aware of it in like 2006 and i think i posted the video in 2007 or 8 yeah. and actually i remember i filmed the video and i didn't ever want to look at any of the stuff i did because i at the time i just hated the way i sounded and looked and everything i just did not want to even look at mm-hmm. it so um it took me a whole year until i decided okay i'm gonna just finally sit down and like edit this thing and put all the numbers on every, you know, riff. And, you know, in hindsight, the thing why, the, the reason why it took off is it's a stunt, right? And mm-hmm. people love stunts. And um, the music part of it was very not, um, not really present. I mean, in the sense that it's like a jumble of riffs <laughs> all put together in, in this sort of kind of, you know, like um, semi semi timeline a- aspect to it, but not really. I didn't I didn't really follow any sort of kind of. Right. It, was, it was sort of just I followed the, each riff up based on kind of what the sequence I thought of it, and also if the key would kind of transition. Mm-hmm. I remember I changed a lot of the keys, and boy, yeah, I was curious you know, about that too. Yes, and so my feeling about the hundred riffs is it was a weird like just circumstantial thing of being there at the time when, when YouTube was whole taking off and, you know, people were just starting to, you know, um, make mm-hmm. videos of intro viral videos, you know, yeah. music stuff. Totally. But uh, it was not the type of thing that I really desired to be known for, you know, <laughs> a stunt. Mm-hmm. I was, I was hoping and I mean, still, I, 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 I'm, I'm like the, the stuff that, um, 
you know, what, what I always aspire to is, is composition, right? Composing mm-hmm. something. Composing, I mean, when I was a kid, it was like I always wanted to compose a masterpiece mm-hmm. and, um, and then receive some sort of validation for that. Sure. Well, yeah. I do want to hear about your um, Canadian Christmas video, which, by the way, I love that. I think it's a really powerful composition. But before we go yeah. there, I yeah. still, you know, even though, you know, um, you have your feelings about your uh, 100 riffs, right. I'm still so curious about, like, how you actually practiced for it. Yeah. Because to me, when I, one of the things that just I was so struck by was you clearly are a hard worker, Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to hear like more about, um, you know, the specifics, like the nuts and bolts of, of how you actually did that. You came mm-hmm. up with the songs, you wrote them down on paper. Like, what was your system? Um, For somebody who, that can do what you do, mm-hmm. you, I think you probably create systems to accomplish things. Am I right? Kind of. I, I, I mean, I was like 21 or 20, or I was like 22 or 23. I was just out of Snow State. And I think Dan probably described this really well. It's like, how would you learn a really long, like, dream theater song or something, right? It's just like, uh, or any sort of kind of complicated, long piece of music. Um, I don't know. You just, you break it into little segments. And also, you know, muscle memory is a huge part of it. I'm actually, I have a very poor memory and a very short-term memory. So... My fingers remember a lot better than I do. Yes, <laughs> for me. Yes, yes, for yeah. All of us, I'm the same yeah. way. Yeah, totally. sure. So, so yeah, I, I remember um, I had to do some fair, some state fair shows on the based on the hundred riffs. It was a guess that riff sort of contest. Yes, and you know I wouldn't remember the song sequence. I had no idea what the song next song would be, mm. but my fingers would start to go to play mm. the next oh. thing, and then I would be like, oh yeah. It's Pretty Woman or something like that. Oh. And so that was how I remembered. Um, it wasn't, I couldn't even recall the sequence, you know? Interesting. So. Yeah, but your fingers did. Yes. So you kind of mm-hmm. remember it as one full piece of just... Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, like your way. fingers, uh, after they f- complete the last one, then they have the sense of familiarity of where they need to go next somehow based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I'm sure you've had similar experiences with, with pieces, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you haven't played one for a long time and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to play it. And then you sit down at the piano or, mm-hmm. you know, the guitar Whatever. and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, it, it kind of emerges again because your fingers have this weird um, ability to remember this yeah. muscle. Right. Massage. Or even, you know, I'm thinking about albums that I listened to as a kid or something and listening to one song. And then I immediately know what the next note of, of an, even what, what, to know what the next song is that comes after that song. Yeah. So there is that memory of, yeah. you know, and even knowing, like, what note it starts on. And sure, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Isn't that a weird phenomenon, too? Like, listening to records, and you're used to hearing two songs, like, back-to-back in a certain order. Mm-hmm. So when you hear it differently, this happens on my Spotify all the time. Like, where I expect <laughs> the next song to yeah. be something in particular because it just works that way. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and it's super, like, the worst thing ever. Oh, <laughs> I see, yeah. I hear that, it's yeah. It's like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was very off topic but sure totally no yeah totally get it right, right. 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 yeah so composition so um <clears throat> you were a composition you majored in composition at some estate right yeah yeah um what was that like um well will johnson again was my my guide he, he was just the my mentor through that whole thing and um i was at the time um, 
kind of starting to get into jazz and it was specifically like fusion jazz and it was all uh, there were guitar players that that I had kind of um, were sort of perplexed by when I was a teenager that finally I kind of started to understand a little mm. bit and the funny thing is I did not study jazz at all and that I was going to will and be like hey you know how I'm gonna write like kind of in this fusion style and I'm not sure it maybe I'm, I'm sure he could but it was never any sort of specific like instruction of like well you know you need to learn some like standards and you should like mm. you know I don't do some transcribing or something right. like, I'm sure he mentioned that to me but I did not take his advice and, he did. <laughs> and so um so actually I mean I have some of these recorded you can hear you know I have a, a one video on YouTube that's basically like a retrospective of my like whole yes. music life to college which has these recordings and it was very clear I had no clue how to write a fusion piece but I tried just based on like listening to all the Chick Corea ton and all this mm -hmm. stuff I was just like okay well just gonna like try to piece it together just by you know with no real knowledge mm -hmm. what I think this stuff sounds like so um I think the the thing that you know I was so um, much a perfectionist, and my um, playing at the time was also this this thing of like it has to be perfect, you know. And I would just remember sweat as I hit the record button to hit to play a line or something. It was just like my my heart would be beating and all this stuff to try to just play these parts, and and. Now, um, my feeling is like, I think all those elements got in the way, you know, sometimes the ambition to just say, oh, I got to write a piece. It's going to be just like, you know, some crazy, like, um, weather report song or something, mm. or I need to have my guitar playing sound like this, like this, mm. my, uh, my idol at the time, it really made some boundaries in composing. So actually I was not very fluent or pro like prolific at the time at all with composing. I remember it was just like one song a year or something right. um, because I was just so sandbagged, you know, mm -hmm. with all of this sort of baggage carrying around of it's got to be this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. I was Very like that relatable. in my 20s. Yeah. In fact, nothing got written. Yeah. <laughs> a few notes on a page and then I'd be like, this sucks. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. Sure. couldn't do a thing. Yeah. But is there is there a way you um, overcame that sort of? Um, good question. Well, honestly, um, going to the JC actually mm. to learn more about um, the structure of chords yeah. and just how things are put together, and then believe it or not, like going through and playing tons of jazz standards and hearing how um, chord progressions work and how mm -hmm. different sounds come together. Mm -hmm. um, and then actually when we did, um, I took the jazz theory class with Bennett Friedman and in our first semester, like in the first couple of weeks, we actually had to compose um, a song. And <clears throat> But he put limits on it, so that was really great. I think it was, we had to do um, 12 Bar Blues, create a, a blues song. Yeah. And I still um, remember that. Um, you remember your melody for it? Nice. Well, that's good. Okay, so this is not. Anyway, forget that. We can edit. No. I won't. I won't finish it. Okay. But and then I created lyrics to it, too. 
Swing around and mosey. It was kind of monk-like anyway. Um, (laughs) But, and then, so (laughs) the fact that we had these limits on it, and it was 12 bar blues, I mean, you have no idea, like, how much time I put into this and rewrote it and rewrote it hours and hours just for this one little melody. Mm -hmm. But I was proud of it in the end. And then Bennett would have the the rest of the class actually play. Wow, um, yeah play that yeah. little composition. Yeah. So that honestly was like the first thing that helped me get through it. Mm-hmm. And I think we had one more thing to compose. And then finally, in the end, I mean, it's actually just recent, like maybe two years ago, honestly, that I finally wrote a song. Yeah. And um, it was, I think what has helped me the most is taking the pressure off myself. Like what, yeah. what you yeah, said. Yeah. That I just, I thought to myself, this does not have to be good. Mm-hmm. This just has to be something that where I express myself. I can write tons of songs. It doesn't matter if this is good or not. This is just something that's coming, you know, coming out of me, and I'm just going to let it be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, taking the pressure off, and, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be good. That's, yeah. like, my motto. It doesn't have to be good. Nice. Yeah. No, I love it's that. So calming. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It just has to be. That's all it yeah, is. Exactly. It just has to exist. Got to get it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's a great way of thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Still hard. I <laughs> have <laughs> <laughs> the hardest time completing songs. That's the hardest part. It sure. is. It's, yeah. It is a challenge. Edit brain comes in and edit brain doesn't shut off, mm-hmm. you know, right. unless you tell it to, which is right. impossible sure. sometimes. Well, but. Yeah. And that's the other thing is just like, t- you know, and with writing too, just saying, okay, this is what I'm going to just turn off my edit brain for a while and just write this down and when the edit brain comes in you know because it will do that it mm-hmm. just like out of habit go oh thank you for commenting i'll i'll come back to you later mm. <clears throat> and then bring it up again strong yeah. um but you know honestly another thing that i think helps mm-hmm. when for example i was at your place um daniel yeah for that songwriting workshop That's the right. one where there was one session and then it turned into it turned podcast. into this yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> but when I have the courage around another musician to play something that I'm working on, even though it's not finished. And um, they're listening, and um, there's something about just acceptance, having somebody else's ears. It doesn't have to be like they think that it's great or anything, but just to allow it to be heard in space to somebody else that's not going to just, you know... I just have a lot of old voices, you know, from yeah, my past. Totally. Uh, negative old voices. And so um, thank you for your accepting ears. That song that of I course. did about my brother. That is the greatest you know. song. <laughs> it really is. Well, thank you. Seriously, yeah. Um, so, but just having another musician, somebody that's accepting and open and understands the process and how vulnerable we feel when we're mm-hmm. putting something out. Right. Maybe it always doesn't feel that way, but it probably gets much easier, but I haven't written enough songs to know. Mm, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a whole other thing. Do you, do you think it gets easier? Um, well, um, <laughs> For my, yes, my experience, yes, it has gotten easier in the sense, well, um, it was sort of an arc. Like, it was easy at first because my expectations were kind of low, and also I was like 15 or whatever with, with the four-track cassette recorder. And so it was like... St- dang, this is pretty good for a 15-year-old at the time, mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know. So I can't believe I'm recording, and this this is awesome. However, 
yes, I think it was right around my early 20s. It kind of really came to everything. The influence of like, oh, my heroes were actually like, you know, recording albums and on tour and this everything was happening now. It's like now it's got to happen. And I um, just kind of froze up. And also, you know, being at a music school has, um, you know, a lot of great inspiring aspects to it. On the other hand, mm-hmm. I find when you, whenever you're in a group of people who are enthusiasts about anything, it could be music, could be, could be running, could be cars, it could be anything, you tend to get this developed as like tunnel vision sort of thing. It'd be like, this is everything. This is everything that's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jazz is the only thing or, mm-hmm. or yeah. like... I must win the jazz. Yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah. Or shred guitar is the only thing totally. or, or I don't know. So that to me, um, just getting away from that and just having to, having to because I feel like I'm a super influenced, easily influenced with anything that I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by. Yeah. And so I have to continue to remind myself, hey, this is just one thing. This is, yeah. this is, this is just one pursuit. This is a group of people that are very enthusiastic and passionate about that, but it's not, doesn't like define my whole life or whatever. And um, I think, you know, it's funny that like, I've known Dan long enough that he's kind of seen, and I've seen this sort of different phases of our life, right? Yeah. And um, there was a period, I, I'm, I'm just coming out of it actually, where I was not into playing and I was not really doing anything with music stuff. Um, um, I was still teaching, but was not like, I was actually at looking for a way out at the point. I was mm. looking for a career change. Gotcha. And, um, so what happened was, um, just kind of, uh, my other stuff I was doing at the time, which was just totally obsessed with like, just cycling. I was mm. like going all crazy with it, like spending all my that. free time. Yeah. So, um, I kind of had to take some time off. It was some kind of chronic injuries and things. I just had to like lay off then. And, um, and with this time, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to like put the guitar again. <laughs> and it was like, because I was approaching it later in my life that all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm free from these sort of these like constraints that I had on myself earlier. And I was like, um, could write a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. And you were probably enjoying yourself more. Yeah. Well, God, I, lo- I really love this story. This, um, <clears throat> I think you and I have something in common and mm. that we like. I mean, um, you know, I was a 70-mile runner, um, a week runner for many, many years mm. and got into, you know, and then when my hips gave out, I mean, I was doing kung fu. I was doing all kinds of things. I just really, really, really physically active whatever sport, and then it became swimming, and then I developed an issue with the swimming, but whatever sport I would get into, I would basically be obsessed with that. And interestingly enough, time and time again, I've gotten these issues that have um, physical problems that have caused me to have long periods of time, and I would say that I only got involved in music again because I was no longer always at the pool. Sure, right. And, you know... And the amount of energy that we have that we like to spend physically because it's our bodies, we have control over our bodies, we're outside, <clears throat> there's all these endorphins, there's so much reward, yeah. you know, and it's totally. something that you can just, I don't know about you, but I mean like repetitive movement, I love repetitive movement, there's so much that I love about exercise and 
But anyway, um, what you were talking about, mm -hmm. like just all of a sudden you have an injury and you have all this time in your hands. Yeah. And so I, I, this may not be true for you, but I know for me that it's so easy for me to kind of have this tunnel vision with whatever I do that um, other things can fall by the wayside. And it's very hard for me to split my attention yeah. between two different things, yes. even just two. Yeah. You know, um, but it's something like if I'm aware of it, I can see it and I can see the gift in it because um, it does, you know, help me to get better at things, mm -hmm. things. And there's a, I have an, a sense of enjoyment around having a sense of mastery yeah. with things. I, I like that. I've always been that way, and it's never been, for me, something that my parents put into me or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was never, you know, I mean, they really, as far as I know, didn't care about that kind of thing. Right. Um, now, there were some other issues that, you know, about my dad, course, but, yeah, yeah. but I never felt pushed to get good grades or all of that stuff was just generated from inside of me. Totally. I was born that way. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I digress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. So I guess I just want to say how much I appreciated hearing you sure. yeah, yeah. name that. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know if I've ever really heard anybody else say that, especially like a physical person that then, you know, had all the space because of an injury and then you get, you know, you get back into your music. Sure. It's kind of my story too. Oh, yeah. Even though, I mean, this is, so this is somewhat recent for you that you've gotten back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, injuries, about five years and um so yes within those five years i um yeah just started like playing a lot more just that you know just practicing and stuff and then um as a result yeah just like composing again um and um you know i think so i'm when when dan and i meet catch up and stuff i think i still continuously asking a question to him and like why are we doing this yeah is this really fun you know or like what yeah. what what are we getting out of this what what are we supposed to be like looking for and i'm i mean that's just a question i'm continually asking myself um because yeah there there you know there there is an element i can i can put aside of 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 my you know youthful ambition and things like that but there's music is too um it's too much of a long time relationship and i still have echoes from my past going like w you know let's do something with this let's seek validation that's yeah. that to me is very uh, seductive mm -hmm. yep. and um so um you know that it's it's a tricky thing yeah. music to me is more um uh more temperamental than just being a just being a jock or whatever and just going on bike rides all the time. Or, mm -hmm. Because, yeah, it was easy. I mean, man, I was right. going to ride and exactly. I was just stoked. At it. I was like, high. Yeah, you know? right, yeah. exactly. And then sometimes you're tired afterwards, so you don't have all this extra energy to spend on mm -hmm. something. You know, um, but, yeah, I think managing energy is, is really something. Yeah. Um, yeah, managing energy. So, well, actually, let's get back to... Um, you're practicing over the next over these last five years. You're composing more. Were you playing actually like out at all? Um, not a terrible 
not um, too much. I play with, um, well, one, the, there's, um, the school has a cover band, at, which um, it's kind of right up my alley in my wheelhouse in the sense it's the 80s rock cover band. <laughs> nice. And the um, owner of the school, Ralph Linder of um, Nap School Music, is a German guy, and for some reason, me and him have the exact same taste, or at least Sweet. taste in the sense that these are songs I would have never anticipated playing, and they're sort of those songs that I keep secret because I don't want to reveal. <laughs> okay. Can I you like. tell us your secret? Yeah. Well, certainly, <laughs> <that> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, again, it, it goes back to my childhood in the sense that... Um, um, you know, the, the 80s, something about it rubbed off me in a permanent way. And so the whole thing, the, the aesthetic look of it, the, um, the color, the garishness, yeah. the, Culture. all of that, yeah. all of that, to me, it was like, this is appealing. Mm. Um, this feels comfortable. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I've just, when Ralph says, hey, let's play a Mr. Mister song, I'm like, I cannot believe it. <laughs> Mr. Mister? I don't know Mr. Mister. Oh, well. Can you hum a, t- um, <laughs> sing? I'm, I'm trying to think of one. I don't. Spoken wings and learn to fly. Oh, oh right, right. I know that song. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's a, that's a great tune, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there are songs I never anticipated I would play with a cover band. And that, to me, the novelty is like thrilling. To yeah. Me. Um, totally. <laughs> and I can, you know, just see people think like, I cannot believe they're playing this song, <laughs> either either out of pleasure or out of like uh, just embarrassment or anything. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I love it. The eighties oh, yeah. is rife with like embarrassing lyrics and totally. just uh, everything. It's it's a so, um, uh, yeah. I mean, and. The performance part of it is more complicated. I think I've come more comfortable with that in recent years, but um, it was not a dying, it wasn't this like desire, burning desire to perform as much as it was to create and, yeah. and to record and somehow like um, uh, make your creation like uh, permanent and externalize it. Mm-hmm. I was we're always interested in that and just having it be this like, okay, it's, this is a thing. Yeah. A product. And whereas performing is more like, ephemeral, it just kind of comes and goes. You do a performance, you know, you, you, you experience the, whatever the the experience was, whether positive or negative and it's, it's over. And I mean, I guess you can video it for posterity, but it's still over. It just feels Mm -hmm. like it's part of the past now. And, um, yeah, I've. That's something I feel like I've yet to kind of experience performance high. I mean, there's there's moments. It's it's a momentary thing mm-hmm. in performance. So I don't I don't know. Dan's been always somebody who's been I think much more natural and in, in into performance, but into performance, yes, yeah. naturally good at or like feeling comfortable yeah, always with confident. It? No. <laughs> but I mean, I've worked on that because I've been doing a lot of performances. Right. But no, I was. I mean, that was that was hard. The hardest part was getting comfortable on stage, and still to this day, like locking eyes with people when you're singing at their face is mm. still uncomfortable to me at times. You know, and I have to get in a certain headspace for that. Um, 
sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you mm-hmm. know? But no, I performance high is huge for me. Like, mm-hmm. I've always uh, kind of fed off that. It's not something I need to do a ton of, but if I don't perform at least, like, once a month, it's like, eh, mm-hmm. kind of gets icky. I need to keep doing that. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I'm actually a little surprised that uh, your performance is, like, I don't know. I, I would I would consider you to be obviously an awesome player, so I'd expect you to perform. But I guess we're all sort um, of in different. Um, yeah, you know. You know. Yeah. yeah. Growing up, I never ever wanted mm. to perform ever. I, I refused to perform at recitals. You know, and I had an amazing teacher. She was the the professor of piano at Syracuse University, and I think I was with her from age twelve to seventeen. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, you know. Um, yeah, I think I performed at one, did one recital, uh, and I just, I, I never wanted to play in front of anybody. It was one thing that I had that was a way for me to express emotions, because I was so quiet and private, uh, just a completely private person, yeah. um, a quiet person <clears throat> that just had one friend. That was it, my whole growing up, and uh, I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I never felt excluded from groups, because I had zero desire to be a part of anything. Sure. You know, I just like being alone. Um, But the music for me was, you know, just the classical piano was a way for me to maybe even like create a fantasy of something like emotional closeness was something that I Mm -hmm. wish that I could have. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And just keep that in my own world. Yeah. Zero desire to share. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, So we're all different. But but now, you know, honestly, well, I clearly talk a lot more (laughs) than I did then. But, you know, I do really like to perform there's something special and I think maybe that kind of I transitioned to that from all of those years of teaching yoga even yeah. though mm. nobody's really looking at me I'm guiding um I'm kind of like using my words to guide other pe- other people's attention into themselves Jeez. so it's definitely different yes you know yeah. um yeah totally you sort of guide an experience. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So somebody's focusing. I'm guiding you to focus on yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your yes. inner experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, different phases and different, you know, as sure. we move through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I might yet to enter a phase <laughs> of, of furious performing and furious performance. gigging all the time. I, uh, yeah, I perform. I mean, I play with the, one of these cover bands, you know, maybe once a month. Um, but you know, there's just regular cover band, and, you know, regular cover band venues. It's nothing that I feel challenges me, but so that's probably the next step, oh. challenging myself. What do you think would be challenging? Um, well, playing, playing some original material, the, my stuff would be one thing, um, not just covers. And um, your stuff is challenging. <laughs> yes. Your yeah. Up to this stuff. point, actually two, I mean, I always, that's a thing I really want to do I, is write stuff that's easy to, people can just pick up on it mm. right off the bat, gotcha. like hand out a chart easy mm-hmm. and yes. just do it. Yes. That um, actually, that to me is a very interesting part of composition is I want pieces to be elegant, mm. simple, and um, have uh, an element that's like, that's, um, unique, trying to go for uniqueness. Very hard to do, but some element that's a little bit of a snowflake in that p- melody 
Yeah. All right. Well, you said the word snowflake. Okay. Because I love the, yeah. I love that word. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one, I like the word. I like snow. I like snowflakes. Yeah. Beautiful, yeah. But I saw your um, Canadian um, Christmas video. Right. So it has like, <clears throat> my husband and I watched it last night and we, we had the picture just on the big screen on our TV, even though it's a, a picture, but it does have, it looks like there are snowflakes coming down. Um, but what I really wanted to say was how much I loved the piece. I totally love that piece of music. And I felt like it's really unusual because there's all this heart to the melody. Um, when I was listening to it, I, I had this feeling, because I had watched the in preparation for today, not because I'm stalking you, but I had watched the grand fa- um, the Levi Grand Fondo video that you right. also right. have on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you got I'll, I'll post a link to this so people can see it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but so I knew that you were into cycling. Um, but when I watched the video, I thought, I mean, listen to the song as I'm looking at the snowflakes. It's just a still photo. But there's a sense of um, expansion is one word. Expansion and, like, there's all this energy, like, moving outwards um, that I hear in the song. And yet this very, like, and this heartful melody. And it's there's, like, strength and passion and gentleness and all these different things at the same time. So it was like a very unique combination of yeah. elements, um, not to mention all the different sounds right. that were in there. And I had no idea how you created that. But <laughs> I just thought it was a really, really cool composition. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, well, on the topic of uniqueness, I worry a lot about... Um, um, what do you call it when you take somebody else's work unintentionally? Oh, like, yeah, ripping like off. Plagiarizing. <laughs> plagiarizing. Yes. So, subliminally plagiarizing, mm-hmm. which I feel like I'm extremely prone to because I will hear something, internalize it subconsciously, and then, uh, then start putting it out and, and like coming up with an idea. And all of a sudden it will emerge like mm-hmm. a long time later. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I mean, with... Uh, it is so hard now with all being surrounded by music and, and, you know, just things all around you to avoid taking in elements and then like having that incorporated into your music sure. in a way that could be, you know, very close. And that, mm-hmm. so that melody, I mean, it, it came to me, I remember I like had a dream where this little melody clip came to me. And then that I've, every time I get inspiration through a dream, oh, I have to follow through with it. It doesn't yeah. even matter if I'm yeah. like, Christmas song, this is the cheesiest thing. <laughs> I don't know about this, but I just had to do it. Yeah. And it's totally not cheesy, no. by the way. Oh, that's great. Well, Speaking of dreams, I, did, I had a dream of you like a week ago. And I hadn't even met you yet. Oh, nice. <laughs> you told me that We last were meeting yeah. on the ridge, yeah. you know, on Honeve, and I, I think I'd gotten on a bus. And uh, <laughs> you were getting on the bus with me, and we, you know. Oh, nice. Anyway. Oh, yeah, so here we are on the yeah. bus. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, uh, there's that saying that um, everything mm-hmm. is derivative. Yeah. You know? It's mm-hmm. true. So I think, yeah, it's easy to be... Especially, it's easy to be concerned with that, especially if you're a person with high integrity. Right. Um, you know, so. Yeah. Probably don't. Uh, something about, about it, it I, I would just be d- a little disappointed in myself. I was just like, oh, I just totally reiterated that, <laughs> that thing. Sure. And, and I know I would do it to the point of it being like almost an exact replication. Rep, 
it would not be one of those things where like, oh, thank goodness I didn't remember it very well. I will, I will <laughs> like retain it, exactly. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's super common for musicians. I've had my instructors say like, I once wrote this thing and then heard it, you know? Yeah, yeah. The exact, yeah. By, you know, well, note for note, the same thing. Yeah. But I think music is based on this idea of taking what's been done, you know, as sort of inspiration mm-hmm. and sort of working through that taking it, spinning it a different way, yeah. throwing mm-hmm. it out there. I yep. think it's always been this collection of ideas that mm-hmm. everyone just bounces off each other's ideas. Mm-hmm. We're all stealing sure. each yeah. other's stuff at the end of the day. We can't help it. Mm-hmm. You know, we grow up with certain music. Right. Of course it's going to show up sure. in our yeah. things. I do understand the nervousness of like creating the same exact thing. I mean, I think yeah. we all kind of experience yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, definitely I've learned like it's totally cool to like, you know, take your inspirations and to really use them, you know, mm-hmm. I th- at least that's something I'm learning now. It seems yeah. more so than in the past. Perhaps yeah. with like vocal music, there's another layer there with there actually being lyrics and there's, a, there's another quality that can, that can deviate from the, the, you know, the song, right? True. Right. So, uh, even if it's the same melody as, you know, my heart will go on or whatever. Yeah. It, I mean, you change the words and the song has a totally different kind of feel and meaning mm-hmm. to it, right? Mm-hmm. So, good point, good point. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, I think that's just lately what I'm striving for is that sort of uh, compositional elegance mm-hmm. and everything to be super efficient, like using all the, like, you've come up with this little core element and then saying, okay, you're spinning it all these different ways to build the other parts of the kind of like a fugue or something, I guess. Totally, yes. But for me, it's not going to be a fugue. It's going to be some like, you know, Christmas song. Or something <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Know, so. Christmas fugue. Right, right. Are you from Canada? Yes. Okay, because I thought I heard that accent. Y- yeah, as the, my parents are responsible because I never, I spent, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of summers in Canada, but I never actually really lived in Canada. I was, I was just born there and then my family moved around a lot. So. Right. And here is a Canadian Christmas by Brody Cumming.
So, Brody, I kind of wanted to plug um, the CHOPS Teen Center for a second. This yeah. is actually a topic that came up with um, me and my girlfriend at home just talking about... Um, well, okay, so before I get there, so CHOPS Teen Center, right? It's, right. A, it's, a, it's a teen center. Um, and how do I put this? Sort of a community of kids coming in there that might not come from the greatest home or just have a place to be. CHOPS is a really cool spot because... Uh, it's really cheap. It's like a $1 membership or something right. like that for these kids, right? And it has all this cool stuff. First of all, it had the music room, which you would right. teach, you know, it was like free. People could walk in wow. and play anything and you'd yeah. help them out and like yeah. create little chops bands yeah. and, you know, be a community player there. But there's also like the arcade room, TV right. room, like, sure. you know, lounge. Like, so this is a really cool community and I spent some years in there and the people you meet there are also really incredible. <laughs> so it's a, this is, uh, kind of a gem in Santa Rosa, I think. Mm -hmm. This is such a cool idea. I'm so glad that that sort of thing exists at all. Like, yeah. it's really beautiful. Do you know who founded it? I have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah go ahead. Uh -huh. yeah, I'm, <laughs> I am not the representative from Chops, Neither but am I. <laughs> uh, Charles Chop DeMeo yep. um, was kind of a, um, like a business person in Santa Rosa who... Um, donated after he passed away donated or had donated part of his you know um yeah, like, well, like yeah, well to yeah. um having a youth center mm. yes and um yeah that's that's how it's cool how it started yeah it's beautiful yeah i just wanted to pick your brain about um kind of that culture there for you and what yeah like, yeah you know? uh there was there were a couple of things that were like um very um unique about chops mm -hmm. and, and my relationship with chops, which I spent a lot of time there. Um, it was p partially because I was so house proud of that studio of being, feeling like it was mine or mm -hmm. something, sure. uh, which, you know, the chops, um, people were very generous and allowing me to do that. Um, that at the, t you know, yeah, prior to that, I had only done private lessons, and Chops was a lot more um, casual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since it was drop-in, you know, anyone could walk into the studio. And um, as a result, I mean, it was basically I got to live being an adolescent again, which the first time around, I never really did it, though, at least in the mo most conventional way. I never played in garage bands. I was, I was, I was kind of a lot like you, Jill, as a kid. I was totally private about my mm -hmm. music. I didn't want, want to share it. Mm -hmm. This was the total opposite in the sense it was like, oh, well, we just got these like random, you mm -hmm. know, folks mm -hmm. walking. We're going to have a band. We're going to be a band. And True. it's going to be because these are all like, you know, old, old, early on, it was a lot of like adolescent mm -hmm. you know, boys. It was all like serious punk and thrash metal, <laughs> which... Uh, was not on my radar at all, but I um, just went with it and got to experience playing in a kid garage band. Yeah. And were you like in your early 20s now? Yeah, or? I was, yeah, like mid mid to late 20s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I think what how Chops went was this like, um, was this like really super great um, teen drop-in center that served all these disadvantaged kids, you know, for a long time. It's still going. And um, my, you know, like participation with it was like I learned so much. It's like never was, had to guide a kid band or 
do um, kind of just spontaneous like lessons and all the stuff that the, all the interactions that happen there basically is just well, exactly what I'm doing in Napa, but just in a different format. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Were you paid at Chops? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was not. I mean, you could volunteer there, and there. I think right now, um, I, I can't. I think one of the people that works the studio is a volunteer. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, a retired volunteer. Totally. And so, um, it, I don't know, it's kind of a unique thing. I spent a lot of time there. You know, Dan, remember we would be in the studio, yeah. especially, especially when we'd have our time together. I mean, there was, it was a lot of, you know, um, just, I don't know. Kind of. I don't know if we talked music philosophy a lot back then, but I know. Yeah. I know now. I would have. Yeah. I totally, now. Totally. Yeah. Ah, I, I think, think we were just busy plugging away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were both excited yes. teenagers. Cool. You know. Even totally. though. Yeah. 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 I just. I just have to say because my best friend, you know, David, obviously, yeah. right, very well. Um. Uh, we spent a lot of time there as well yes. as a member. We both did. Yeah. Actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we were part of that culture quite a bit. And it's not to say we didn't come from bad homes or anything, but it was just a local place to hang out and meet people. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially for someone like me, who's maybe a little more socially inward, it mm-hmm. was actually pretty, pretty perfect little place. You Did know? you feel your, yourself kind of coming out a yeah, little bit? Yeah, I felt safe there. You mm-hmm. know, it was nice. Um, but it's just it was just such a cool concept that like anyone could walk in. Mm-hmm. And even if you, they don't know anything about this instrument, they're going to pick up that yeah. you could just walk in and Brody would be like, yeah, so here's how this works. Oh, let's, let's plug you in and like let you have that experience. That is just, I don't think yeah. you can find that hardly anywhere, that sort of oh. thing. It just, yeah. it blows my mind to this day. And it yeah, just makes yeah. me feel so good that so cool. that sort of thing exists. Right. You know? And, and did you have a similar experience to maybe where you would have a person who was a total novice, right? Yeah. Never played before. And we'd be like, okay, we're going to jam. And it would turn out that that jam would be the jam. That would be the best jam. And whereas you would have another interaction with some musicians who were accomplished, Mm -hmm. thought they were accomplished, right? Sure, sure. That's even worse, right? Especially when they think they're accomplished. And they come into jam and it is a train wreck. And it is not yeah the jam yeah absolutely not the jam there's there's ego tied to um you know musicians and yeah i've i've always found that um the best (laughs) of course this means they're kind of easy to get along with in some way but you know the best musicians understand there's so much to learn and is anyone an expert yeah i'm sure but i mean i'm certainly not close to that as far as like there's so much to learn and so many yeah, avenues always. to explore sure. and so many mm-hmm. hours I need to put in to get mm-hmm. anywhere close to that. But mm-hmm. that's that's awesome, too, that yeah. I get to work on that. But it is. It's a lifelong project. It's hard to work with musicians that think they're the top. Yeah, and it's like you're all you know? collectively making this soup, right? Exactly. You're all making this. And you, your job is to add the just the right amount of ingredient to actually make this thing palatable. Exactly. Yeah. It's you not know? all about you. And, you know, it's like the cooking analogy is very perfect. Mm. I don't understand <laughs> how they could just go and throw in yeah. all of that cayenne or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, well, this is totally inedible now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't even I can't even live here. This you know? <laughs> Yeah. So even those people that were coming in and they were total novices, I mean, how could they 
if they didn't know how to play it, did, did yeah. they know how to play an instrument a little bit? Like, it, how could they actually play notes that would sound good with the other notes? Right. Um, well, boy, it, it would. I I'm a minimalist, and uh, to some degree, and so to me, I, and actually, when so Dan and um, uh, Nick and Jack, yes. we yes. we would get together to jam sometimes, kind of in the late period of my time at Chops. Um, just outside of Chops. And the thing I used to like about that is we would like, especially Nick would like have a drum groove. And Nick, um, Car- yes. Carico. How do yeah, you say yeah. his Carico. last name? Carico. Carico. Yeah. And of course it was like pretty intense. Like it was like some off time, uh, you know, odd, writ- odd time yeah. thing. And I would just be like, whoa, I could just meditate on this thing forever because it's like using all my brain just to keep on playing with this thing. Yeah. And um, so... In that sense, at, at Chopson, you have someone who can't, you know, they, they're like, don't know how to play really much of anything. I'd say, hey, if you play one or even two notes, I am going to be thrilled with that yeah. because it's going to be like an Indian raga or something yeah. to me. <laughs> I'm going to just jam on this thing forever. Meditating. It's going to sound awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Immediately part of that collective, yes. you know, thing. That's yes. what Chops yeah. was all about, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad we could talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Really cool. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Brody, tell us a little bit about um, your ideas around practicing, how you practice, how you enjoy practicing, or yeah. how you don't enjoy practicing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seems well, like you probably do. Yes. Um, yeah, sometimes. I'll, I'll go on the, um, the, the, Part of practice that I think I get impatient with sometimes is um, you're trying to learn, you know, a lot of songs, right? And I think there's an element of that where, I don't know what I'm trying to say, that mm-hmm. um, I'm, I think I'm, I get a little impatient with that process, you know, with... with just, just learning repertoire sometimes, yeah. and that's why I kind of really drag my feet on doing it. You know, it has to be like I have to have it stare me down and be like fear that I'm just not going to get through. And even the fear doesn't matter because I'm like, oh, I'm just playing fill in bass for this sort of thing. Whatever it doesn't matter if I mess up this part or whatever. But it, I have to really have um, some fire under me to, to motivate me sometimes. Sure. Other times for practice, though. I mean, how it was when I was a kid, and I mean, a lot now is this is like Zen mode, and I just like will be fine playing the same darn sequence for like ever, <laughs> um, because you know, just like running or anything, you just zone out and you are, um, you know, in in this sort of physical trance. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I named one of my demos trance. It was all about that, mm-hmm. and it was not like electronic trance music. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. Um, yeah, that experience. And so, yeah, practice to me at its best, and especially, gosh, I love it when a student will entertain this, is like, hey, can we just go in Zen mode for like the next 10 minutes and do this thing over and over again? Because guitar, and I, I was saying this, it was different from singing, I think. Yeah. The guitar is a repetition-based thing. And as much as you can say, look, look, you hold this pick like this, and your fingers, everything you can't actually describe those elements in there. The motor skills are too fine in minute 
Mm. You have to, I, I, at least I'm telling explain this from like, like an expert. I'm not, I, <laughs> but Dan knows that I've held the pick wrong for 22 years <laughs> now <laughs> and I'm trying to change that. And I'm actually seeing some progress. Now I can't hold the pick, even my, the Brody wrong way and yeah. the correct way. I can't hold them either way now. I'm but equally bad <laughs> at both ways. You're in the middle yes, of that. I'm in transition. the middle of this, this transition. But um, as a result of that, I've kind of picked up this feeling of um, that, yeah, it's a so sub, you know, subtle and subconscious, the, the, some of the movements yeah. that you have to do you know, to execute things mm-hmm. as a musician. That it's like repetition mm-hmm. is like the only way you could train your body to, to like yeah. internalize that. Yeah. 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 I really like physical repetition. Like I, mm-hmm. I never had issues, you know, like not wanting to practice physical repetition, doing physical repetition. But I think <clears throat> for me, the hardest part about learning, for example, jazz has been the intellectual part of it mm-hmm. where I have to like focus really hard on thinking about, um, you know, oh God, all of it. <laughs> just like the, yeah, all of it, the spatial, right. the spatial things like the stuff in my head, as opposed to just the physical stuff. Um, that's been the hardest thing. And I really did not enjoy, to be honest with you, I did not enjoy that first year or two of figuring all of that stuff mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah. It was very tedious and learning rootless voices for mm. voicings, for example, yeah. where we weren't allowed to play a bass note. And then, so, you know, I'm learning these two, five, one progressions with four notes, you know, four notes in one hand and there's no root. And I would just constantly forget like, where the hell am I? And it would take me sometimes 15 minutes to just like think, where the hell am I? What am I doing? And Mm -hmm. then just, oh my God. So anyway, but um, that was work that I needed to do. And, you know, I'm glad that that part is over. (laughs) But the physical repetition, that's Sure. For yeah. the most part, yeah. unless, you know, like you're maybe um, as long as we go slowly enough where we can actually accomplish what we're doing, yeah. you know, yeah. I enjoy the physical repetition. Right. I, I always thought that that sort of physical repetition, especially with instruments, is similar to like the benefit you might get from meditating where your brain is really just either focused on one thing or mm-hmm. almost not. Like mm-hmm. it's almost just filtering out all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of benefit actually to the um, instrumentation repetition like that because mm-hmm. you can't think about your dog and the eggs that you had this morning <laughs> when you're doing. I mean, you can, but it generally doesn't. Like it yeah. kind of just filters out a lot yeah. of things for you and you're mm-hmm. able to just be in that space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually is, um, it's funny that uh, bike rides, I, I'm, I'm, not present a lot of time. I have to keep telling myself, be present, because this is like the best beautiful <laughs> part of the ride. You gotta appreciate this. Sure. But I'm not. I'm thinking about something that's, that's annoyed me in the past day or so. Sure. Whereas practice, somehow that is filtering that element out right. more. It's more effective with that. So I like um, you know, there's um the, the healing aspect of music is mm-hmm. they're very therapeutic. There is yeah. something there. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Although I will say, you know, like with the repetition of the physical exercise, <laughs> you know, going back to, um, I, I don't run anymore. I had to have my hips replaced, <laughs> all that running. And <clears throat> I was born with a condition that I didn't know I'd had. But anyway, one of the things that, um, and, and then later, you know, practicing meditation and understanding meditation, I now realize that all of those years um, spent on the, you know, on the roads running, um, was really a form of meditation. Yeah. And it was a place where I accessed um, 
my creativity and creative solutions arose, sure. you know, ideas for papers and things like that. And, and you know, even, and, and letting my mind actually just run, yeah. like, um, was really helpful. And yeah. it was a way of dealing with a lot of, right. you know, trauma and yes. trauma and yes. emotions mm -hmm. yeah. and just to run it out. But, you know, it's like there was also, I remember, I mean, for me, it was, there was a huge part of it where I was focusing on my breath as I ran, mm -hmm. you know, and creating wow. a certain rhythm yeah. with my breath. Sure. And eventually, you know, getting into what I now realize was really, um, you know, a very meditative, no mind kind of state right. and having those blissful you know, experiences. Yeah. And dance would actually do the same thing for me, mm. you know, where I would just dance freely. I'd be in the pub every morning until two in the morning, just dancing freely mm. <clears throat> and mostly just drinking water, you know, mm. and sweating a lot. And I remember going back to my, my room and sitting on my bed cross-legged at two in the morning and just feeling like completely mm. still. Mm. Yeah. And I needed nothing. And I would mm. just sit there. And, you know, so I think movement can really be a way to access, to let some of that energy in, in our heads sure. and stuff. Yeah. It's great to let that, let that go. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what the problem is, I do the darn routes too many times. I'm on autopilot. <laughs> so that's the problem. <laughs> yes. And my mind does go all over the place. And mm -hmm. I've got to discipline it from going to the negative spaces so mm -hmm. frequently. I see. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. There's no doubt we all battle with that. Yeah. You know? Sometimes more than others. Sure. <laughs> when we go, oh man, yeah. it can be it can be rough. Mm. But we're fortunate we have music to hopefully help with that sometimes. Right. Yeah. And then when it happens in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. does that happen for anybody else in the middle of the night? Absolutely. That's oh, like amazing. the worst time for most yeah. people. So I have like the little techniques that I use for that mm -hmm. in what? the middle of the night. <laughs> can we hear um, about that? Yeah. So because sometimes my head, you know, can just it's like these thoughts come so fast and so hard. <clears throat> there's different, if I'm, if I'm in a really difficult state where there's a lot of thoughts that are just like arrows, I use a specific technique, which is, um, I guess you could call it like a mantra. Mm -hmm. I just repeat a phrase. It was, it's actually three lines. And an old boyfriend, like, you know, showed me this thing a long time ago. And it was, it was just like a little prayer. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it could probably be anything, but for me, yeah. this little thing, I say, um, thank you, God, for everything. Uh, thank you, God, for everything I have. Thank you for everything you've taken away, and thank you for everything you've left me. Right. So it's it's actually simpler. Because I'm doing this right now on this podcast, yeah. I got, like, yeah. nervous. Sure, yeah, yeah. Oh, and course, it's not exactly the words, but it's, sure. it's the concept is the same. Right. Um, but you don't need to believe, you know, in God or anything like that. But there's something about just, you know, being aware of what I have and being grateful for things that I don't have that were taken away because there's gifts there. Sure. And, and then, you know and thank you for everything you've left me. There's just a sense of like saying thank you over and over again. Mm -hmm. And just those, the re repetition of something and just saying that over and over and over. And believe it or not, like all of a sudden this chemicals obviously going on in my brain because I feel really peaceful mm -hmm. and I fall asleep. Wow. And then there's one other technique when I just feel like there's a lot of energy in my body and for whatever reason. And this technique is really kind of like a really super simple one. And it's something that I did as a kid, and it still works to this day. Mm -hmm. We would have a babysitter come, and she <clears throat> would um, say, okay, if you guys go to sleep, I'm going to make you these li your little Play-Doh animals, and I'll leave them in the bathtub 
So this special babysitter that we had would always make me a little baby elephant. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't wait. <laughs> I really, really wanted her to make me that element, so that elephant. So I would pretend to be asleep. And how I pretended to be asleep was I knew the sound of what somebody's breathing was like when they were asleep. And it was like... Deep breaths, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so intently focused on your breath right now. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be able to hear it better But it, there's like this It's the, the inhale is just natural But but the exhale is like You know, it's just like The exhale is just letting go And I'm, there's no like doing anything But it's, I'm just pretending I'm asleep mm. And I swear to God I've always fallen asleep mm. If that's just If it's not the busy mind But more of the energy in the body so I, even though there are probably specific, there are specific techniques we can learn to go to sleep, sure. but you know, sometimes there's things that we can, we can, you know, we can make up yeah. ourselves, mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. you know, and they really work. It doesn't have to be like we're taught by a special teacher or whatever. Sure. Right. Sure. Which I always used even to though think we it just did work. have to be. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Jill. It must be yeah. tradition. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, bullshit. It yeah. doesn't have yeah. to be. Sure. So. Yeah. Sure. You heard it from me first. <laughs> yeah. Ouch! Yeah. yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's really helpful. Thank you, Jill. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're welcome. You. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Cool. Well, Brody, is there anything you would like to touch on today? Anything we haven't asked you? Actually, you know what? I got to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is if you had a... Because we usually ask this to most of our uh, guests here. Mm-hmm. If you have a musical fantasy of any sort, whether that be playing an instrument or playing a venue or even just... I don't know, writing yes. a thing, anything at all, you know? What is yeah, that yeah, lots of them, of course. But I sure. mean, the one uh, that I'm going to put this more as like a challenge to myself, a commitment, there will be an EP in 2020. <gasps> Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Finally. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I just hit my mic. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah. <Oops>. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. I feel that I always said that my whole life that there was going to be something in 2020 because that seemed like so far away. Mm. They would say it as a joke. Yeah. You know, something done by 2020. Now it's actually here. <laughs> so I have to actually live up to this, this like sure. joke that I made for <laughs> myself. And um, yeah, I, um, well, I, I feel I, so another friend mentor, uh, Enrique Rojas, who's like, my jazz mentor because I actually never learned any formal jazz until he finally showed me kind of how to, you know, like approach a standard in a more like, you know, um, conventional way. Right. He, um, said that, you know, as a musician, sometimes you have to just put out the, you know, the deadline, Mm. say that deadline and actually put it out there on whatever and then you have something to stick to. You mm-hmm. have this thing that you've externalized and be like, there's going to be a thing. It's going to happen. And now that I've said it, I have to kind of you right. know, toe under this thing. And um, I, I got to have a deadline. Yeah. This whole reason the Christmas song got done was it was going to be Christmas time. So <laughs> nice. last year. And um, yeah, that's uh, otherwise, you know. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing like saying it out loud to other people, which to me makes me feel more accountable to, to Absolutely. following through. Yeah, yeah. That's why sometimes I like do little videos. I'm like, 
Actually, I posted one. And I was I was going to post this video of me saying I was going to write a blog post yesterday, oh, yeah. but then it came down to time to write, and I'm like, Jill, don't post this video because <laughs> then you, you have to they write have to. Oh, this Lord, post yeah. this afternoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I actually really want to. I've got you know some. I've got an audio recording on my website. I'm kind of doing some blogs and. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's one audio recording of how to start your day, like just one simple thing. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, this woman wrote to me, this woman from Canada, I think she's from Canada, or maybe, no, Great Britain. Um, and anyway, but this it's kind of cool because um, she saw like my name in a book that was written, I don't know, almost 20 years ago, mm-hmm. where I was being interviewed. And she looked me up and asked me if I'm still teaching yoga, which I'm not. Anyway, so I directed her to my website to this one little audio recording. And she wrote to me and said, um, I really want to thank you because I have not been able to, you know, get to sleep. And I have a 10-month-old baby. And I put on your audio recording. Mm-hmm. And um, my baby and I go to sleep to that every night now. Wow. And so anyway, but I thought, you know, that is what I really like doing. The, this is not about me, but here I am talking. Sure. Um, but um, I really do like the inner part of yoga. Mm-hmm. I have no desire to teach the, you know, the poses. And in fact, I didn't for a long time. Um, but the inner part, um, the stuff that goes inside yeah. um, the poses. I, th- I really want to like, okay, I'm going to use this this time. I wanted to, I'm going to do more audio recordings. Sure. Um, so it's just a way of holding myself accountable. Absolutely. Yeah. Using yeah. the space yeah. to do that. So thank you guys. Of course. You should link um, that down mm. in the, the bottom of this episode mm-hmm. as well. Okay. That'd be awesome. Great. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Thanks. Perfect. Nice. Uh, uh, thanks to Jill for doing all of that sort of thing. She's oh, uh, yeah. the captain behind the keyboard here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Getting all the links and yeah. all the things together. Yeah, so. my pleasure. I'm happy to do it. And thank you to you too, oh, Daniel. Yeah. He's our sound guy, the editor and makes everything sound good nice yeah hopefully (laughs) yeah yeah so that's great okay ep 2020 2020 coming up yes yes original compositions yes yes um that um feels like a very long time coming but um you know it's time i have no excuses i got all the darn stuff to do i gotta invest it enough in it so Sure. I should do this. Good. Sweet. I'm expecting it. Cool. Though. I'm excited to yeah. hear what you got yeah. going on. Yeah. Is this going to be new stuff entirely, or some maybe pulling um, from some yes. of the past yes. tunes? Yeah, pretty much all new. And uh, the reason why an EP is because it will all be you know kind of thematic. It'll all be contained within the same you know kind of yeah know, genre mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, how would you describe the genre? Well. It's, yeah. it's going to be, I mean, um, I always like the music from Blade Runner, even though I've never seen the movie. No? You mean the original, like, 80s no, Blade Runner? No, not not the original Harrison <laughs> oh. Ford Blade Runner. Okay. No, no. Oh. I've never seen it. And I've never seen, I haven't seen the new one either. Um, but are you talking about the original one? Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. you got to see it. It's so... So yeah, good. that's my brother keeps telling oh me too. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Either, yeah. So, so um, the composer, I think he pronounced it Vangelis or Vangelis or something. He is um, kind of like one of the early synth guys. 
you know, he he put synth and movie scores kind of before anyone else was really mm-hmm. doing it. So like Chariots of Fire has that little yep. ding, 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 ding sound. Yeah. Mm. Um, to me, I feel like nowadays it's everyone is, you know, uh, anyone can make a 24 track, 24 bit recording on their phone. It's crazy. Like how high the production value of everybody's thing is. And to me, it's like, it's daunting. It's like, how can you do anything when, when every, the, the, the standard is so ridiculously high of, of a recorded thing? Because you don't care about being good. <laughs> oh, well, well I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm always, oh gosh, it was a continuing thing. It's, yes. I, me and Dan discuss this endlessly. I don't know. I don't, I just, I have to act. That's all I know. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, making, yeah. making. So um, the thing that came out of that was saying, well, you know, I really love this sort of, kind of um, lo-fi quality to it. Hmm. And because it is a synthesizer, it's like I could conceivably construct this sound world on my own, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, I I think having, recruiting a band, doing all these things, these, to me, it's like, this is a lot lot of stuff. It's a lot of work to to make that happen. And uh, it's not saying that that won't happen. Maybe it will. And the... um, but the quality that, okay, this can, I could conceivably make something happen here with this sort of like lo-fi mm-hmm. synth quality, a lot of sort of electronic elements, which of course appeals to my 80s sense in a big way. Yes. I've, uh, it, um, it initially just kind of spoke to me. And actually, you were, I made this uh, Instagram thing with this pedal I got, the, the, this uh, yeah. called the, the, what was it? The Eventide Pitch Factor, yeah. which is crazy, complicated <laughs> pedal. But that, to me, I was like, oh, this sounds like Vangelis or Vangelis. Mm-hmm. Just this like cyberpunk type of thing. So I said, well, this is me. I feel like <laughs> this, this speaks to me, cool. you know? And um, so that is kind of the quality it's going on. Minimalist. Yeah. Um, lo-fi. Yeah. Um, it's going to be instrumental so far, um, and um, it's going to try to you know capture these things that like you know, like I want the song to be very elegant. I want it to have be simple. Mm-hmm. I want it to um, uh, contain a melody that has a big um, um, what is it like contour to it. I want right. it to arc. I yeah. want it to be like somewhere over the rainbow or something. Okay, you, you want know? it to develop. And yes. Yes. Big leaps Good. in there. Good. Nice. We need those. <laughs> the opposite of a standard pop song nowadays, even though it'll probably sat, it'll have some of those elements in there. I can't take that away. It's just mm-hmm. part of, but um, yeah, I, I uh, um, that's, that's what I admire in any music. I mean, and I am not someone who's very schooled in jazz or in classical in terms of like repertoire knowledge, I kind of just pick and choose what I listen to. So to me, it's like, oh, well, this, I like this quality in as Eric saw TP. So I like the fact that the melody is so, you know, um, uh, simple and mm-hmm. in your face. Yeah, totally. And uh, I like this quality in Steely Dan because the production, there's some production quality that really like, you know, saying it's so like dry and, and mm-hmm. stripped back down. So, um, Anyway, I've talked enough. That's that's those <laughs> that's are some of the that. thoughts there. That's Fantastic. Exciting. Yeah. Okay. That's really exciting. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, 
I think we're going to actually wrap it up here. Uh, Brody, thank you so much for coming out. I just have to say again, like, I'm so beyond grateful that we've met and we've had this experience together and you've taught me so much. And the fact, I mean, I'm actually teaching where I am teaching now because you referenced me. Right. It was probably yeah, yeah. the easiest yes. job interview ever because they said, if Brody referenced you, like, we trust you. I like, think I told them, I'm like, Dan is the man. <laughs> Is the best. <laughs> yeah, you well, got the best. Very clearly, they regard you highly. You know, oh, they respect. So anyway, thank you for everything. Um, I don't know. I can never repay it, but hopefully, like we continue to do things and we. Oh, will. totally. Yeah. Yeah. All through. Dan, Dan's not only like a peer; he's actually like, like I'm looking to him like for mentorship now. So it's it's like basically roles have reversed. Like, mm. can you want me some guidance here? <laughs> Every yeah. day, I'm looking toward towards what you've taught me as as a teacher. I think you know. What have I learned? You know, what would Brody do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. again, thank you for everything. It's yeah, been a delight. Thank you. And thank you so much for calling me all the way out here and spending this time with us and sharing of yourself so freely. Oh, my pleasure. And I was very honored to even be considered and thought of. So mm, thank of you. Course. Thank yeah. you, Brody. Thank you, listeners, as well. Yes. You've tuned in for this long. We appreciate you. And um, hope you're having some nice musical conversations with your friends, relatives, whoever's out there in the world. Be Absolutely. sure to be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Let your friends know that this is a thing and mm-hmm. that we love you all. Yes. We want to hear more about what you guys are doing. Feel free to comment on this. Give us some feedback of any sort. As mm-hmm. musicians, we got to listen. We got to listen back to you guys too. Yeah. Thank you so much, and hope you're enjoying yourselves wherever you are, whatever you're doing. All right. Take care. Bye.